Um, our reading for today is from Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 to 45. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for his elder son Esau and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats, so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat, so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of her elder son Esau, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goatskins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father, Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, <clears throat> I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son Bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate. And he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness. 
and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her elder son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Thanks so much, Reba. Um, if you've got Bibles, do please keep them open. We're going to be referring to them as we go through um, this passage together. Okay, well, we are carrying on the second of our series in the life of Jacob, which is in Genesis. <clears throat> and we've come to one of the more well-known passages in Genesis, I think, if you're aware, the story of um, Jacob stealing Esau's blessing. It's a gripping story. It's been well told by the author of Genesis. But we should not forget as we read this story, as we're maybe familiar with it or, or as we've read it for the first time, um, this is the account of a family that is torn apart. Okay, reading Genesis 27 is kind of like watching a car crash happen in slow motion. The family will never be the same after this account, it disintegrates. 
And what is at the center of all this chaos, all this fallout? It's the struggle for blessing. The struggle for blessing. Now, we use the word blessing um, in various ways. We sometimes talk about blessings as good things that we receive. Um, We might even say that we are hashtag blessed, and we might use it in a way that's not ironic as well. But here in this chapter, the blessing is not so much good things um, that are received as such, but the promise of them. So not the good things themselves, but being promised them. So in the story, we have Isaac. He is the patriarch. He's the head of the family, the father. And God has given him the ability to make a pronouncement over one of his one of his sons. And this isn't just like well-wishing. It's not like when we say, have a nice day, I can say that to you, but I have no control over whether you will have a nice day or not. No, no, there is power in this pronouncement. In fact, it will be a prophecy. What Isaac says over one of his sons will not be able to be taken away. It has power and it will come to pass. And the blessing itself, I mean, look down at verse 28 and 29, what Jacob gets. It's remarkable. Full crops in the field, power over the family, authority over other nations as well. It's an amazing blessing, and it promises. It's a guarantee of a a glorious future. This is as good as it gets, probably, for an ancient Near Eastern person. And again, it isn't well-wishing. It's a promise. And so a blessing is, in essence, a guarantee of future happiness and security. That's what a blessing is. A promise, you could say, of the good life. And that is something that all of us are after, isn't it? The good life. It doesn't matter how religious you are. I would argue we are all after a blessing. We want something that will promise us happiness and contentment something that will safeguard our future in an uncertain world. There's not a person in this room who is not after a better future. We all want blessing. The only difference is what our vision of that good life is and what we think will give it to us. Where will the blessing come from? So a strong pension might be a blessing which promises us the good life of a happy retirement. A first-class degree may promise you a good job, a chance to have significance and impact. Clever or well-adjusted children may promise you a sense of satisfaction um, or status as a good parent. Whatever it is, we all want to receive blessing. But as we come to this chapter, this, this story, it teaches us that there is a danger that comes with seeking blessing. It can have negative consequences, and so we should probably see what it has to say to us this morning. So firstly, the struggle for blessing. The struggle for blessing. Last week, we saw that Jacob and Esau are two brothers. They are twins born to Isaac and Rebekah. They're born seconds apart, um, but Esau comes out first and is therefore technically the older brother and Jacob is the younger. And in that culture, what would happen is, if you are a firstborn son, you have special rights, firstborn privileges and inheritance. You get the lion's share of the stuff when mum and dad are gone, and you also get to be head of the family. So that would normally be Esau's. And yet God has said already 
that actually this convention is going to be overturned, and Jacob is the one that he has planned to have the firstborn status and rights. And we saw that prophecy work out in real terms last week. We were looking at the fact that Esau sells his birthright to Jacob just for a meal in a kind of crazy decision. So the the prophecy, what God has said, is starting to come true. Now today's chapter happens a little while after those events that we saw last week. Isaac is older. He thinks he might die soon. And so the time has come for him to bestow his blessing on his sons. And everyone's eyes are on the blessing. And what happens is this story tells, shows us how people struggle for that blessing and how it tears them apart. No one emerges innocent in this chapter. None of the family are heroes. And let's look at each of them in turn. So let's begin with Isaac. Isaac is old. He's also blind. He's lost his sight. Look down at verse 3. He calls Esau to, to him. He says, go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, straight away, something is a little bit off key here. Because in the ancient world, what would happen is a blessing would be given in front of all the family. A father would bring his sons to him, and each in turn would receive his blessing. But this is kind of a covert. Isaac is just talking to Esau. He just wants an audience with Esau, with no one else around. Why is that? Well, it seems that Isaac is trying to be a little bit underhanded here in blessing Esau. Now, we know from what Genesis has already said that Esau is the favorite son of Isaac. He really is daddy's boy. We've seen that he was the man's man, stereotypically, dripping with testosterone, headbutting sharks, arm wrestling bears. He's a guy of the field. He's a hunter. Isaac can look at Esau and he's like, that's my boy. That's my son. He loves him, dotes on him. And Isaac wants Esau to get the blessing because he's his favorite. Now, Isaac should know, in fact, he will know that um, Esau shouldn't get the blessing and that Jacob should get it because God has said so. But it's just a bit too much for Isaac, isn't it? Esau is his favorite. Esau should get the blessing. And so he goes against what God says. He tries to call a secret blessing meeting where he will give Esau those firstborn rights and blessings. He's blinkered. And what happens as a result? He he dishonors his family. Isaac cuts out Rebekah, and Jacob is just cut out altogether. That's Isaac. What about Rebekah then? Well... Isaac's favorite is Esau, but the text shows us that Rebekah's favorite is Jacob. There are little hints of that. If you look down in verse 5 and 6, it says that Isaac spoke to his son, Esau, whereas Rebekah speaks to her son, Jacob. Well, both of them are both of their sons. But it shows that there's a divide in the family. There's a bias. And so Rebekah loves Jacob, and when she hears of Isaac's plan, she's having none of it. And so she decides that she's going to take matters into her own hands. She tells Jacob, look, I found out about this plan. Your father's going to bless Esau instead of you. 
So look, well, this is what we're going to do. Verse 8. Now, my son, listen carefully. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. So Rebecca reckons that in the time it takes for Esau to go out and hunt some game, she can rustle up a good meal, convince Isaac that it's Esau who's cooked it, and then because Isaac is blind, he will bless Jacob instead of Esau. It's audacious. It's an audacious plan. And at one level, you can kind of respect Rebecca or understand Rebecca, where she's coming from. She knows already that God has chosen Jacob, not Esau, to be the firstborn. And yet Isaac's gone completely against that, which is wrong. But the thing is, she's taking matters into her own hands. She's not trusting God. If God has promised that Jacob will receive these firstborn inheritances, then surely it should be left up to him to make sure that happens. Because she's resorted to basically a pretty dodgy plan here. I mean, let's just call this what it is, shall we? She's deceiving her husband and taking an advantage, essentially, of a blind man. That's, that's what she's doing. It's not godly behavior. It's not cool. And Isaac will lose out. What about Jacob, then? Well, Jacob doesn't come up with the plan. That's all um, his mum. But he does go along with it. Now, he does have reservations, but the reservations are not whether the plan is a good one or not. Um, or moral, is about whether he'll get caught. Do you see that? Verse 11. But my brother Esau is a hairy man, while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. Appear to be tricking him. Jacob's mostly concerned about his own skin. So they figure out what they're, they're going to do. Okay, so um, Jacob's going to wear Esau's clothes, um, he's also going to wear goat skins so that he can feel as hairy as his brother. How hairy was Esau? I... <laughs> anyway, it, they go ahead with a plan. Jacob dresses in the skins and in Esau's coat, and he takes the food from his mum to his dad. Verse 19, he says, I'm Esau. I've got the food you want. But Esau's a little, uh, Isaac's a little bit um, confused. He's like, well, how did you find the game so quickly? Look at Jacob's answer. The Lord your God gave me success. Two things there. First of all, Jacob has blasphemed. He's dragged God into his lie. Secondly, notice, the Lord your God. Not the Lord my God or the Lord our God. Lord your God. That's telling, isn't it? And so there's tension in the narrative. Will Jacob get away with this crazy plan? But actually, in the end, Isaac gives the blessing to Jacob. Jacob convinces him that he's Esau, and the plan works. Jacob gets this incredible blessing. But what's happened? He's grasped it for himself. He's stolen it from his brother. And again, he has deceived his blind father. And finally, what about Esau? You can't help but feel bad for Esau in some ways. He comes with a meal that he's prepared, ready to receive his blessing, only to find to his horror that Isaac has given the blessing to Jacob. 
both Isaac and Esau are distraught. Isaac, it says, trembles with shock at what's happened. And Esau is desperate. Look at verse 34. Bless me. Bless me too, Father. But here's the tragic irony. Isaac so adored Esau that when he was preparing the blessing, he kind of was, he was going to give Esau the bumper blessing. He was going to give Esau pretty much everything and hardly anything to Jacob. Such was his favoritism. So when this plan goes wrong, it goes massively wrong. Esau's left essentially with nothing. Esau pleads in verse 38, do you have only one blessing, my father? Surely there's something that he can have. But the best of the blessing has already been given. Jacob will be lord over Esau. Jacob and his descendants will have the best of the land, and Esau won't. Esau gets a meager blessing that one day he will be able to throw off the shackles of his brother. But that's it. One can feel for Esau. But nevertheless, he's not innocent either. He becomes enraged at Jacob. Verse 41, he's murderous. He also diminishes his own responsibility. Look at verse 36. Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Well, yes, he's right. Jacob did take advantage of him. But at the same time, if we remember rightly what happened, he kind of sold the birthright, didn't he? It is on him to a degree. Should he have expected to get this huge blessing when he'd already sold away his birthright in the previous chapter? None of these family members are innocent. They're all a mess. And, and they've been driven by desire, desire for this blessing, whether it's for themselves or, or for their son. Everyone wants it. Everyone is willing to tread on each other to get it. Or in Esau's case, he's willing to murder his own brother because he's not got it. And so as they strive for the blessing, others get harmed. So there's this martial arts film that came out a few years ago called Ong Bak. Uh, and it's a Thai film, and it's about a rural villager who um, travels away from his, his village to the inner city of Bangkok. And he does, does that in order to beat people up, probably. I don't know. I mean, you don't watch these films for the plot, do you? Um, it's all about the kind of battle scenes. Anyway, there's this scene right at the beginning of the film where there's this village tradition where the uh, men in the, in the village, they have to climb this huge tree in order to get a scarf, um, and it's kind of like capture the flag. And everyone runs for the tree, and they climb up, and they're kind of kicking people off the tree. They're fighting each other. People fall to the ground. Um, they stamp on each other, all trying to get this, this scarf. And the rule is this, you get the scarf and you beat anyone down who gets in your way. And that's kind of what's happening in this passage, isn't it? Getting the blessing is everything. And if the struggle for it means that others get stamped on or neglected or hurt, so be it. So be it. And there's truth here for our lives, isn't there? Genesis 27 teaches us a principle. As we strive for blessing, and we do, there is always collateral damage. When we want something so much that we are tunnel vision, eyes on the prize, we'll get it at the expense of anything else, others will get hurt. Or they'll get neglected. Because we will see other people as competition, or we'll see them as a distraction, 
or we'll see them as a barrier to our happiness. So let me ask you, as you strive for what you think, whatever it is, will give you the good life, who is it that pays the price? Who foots the bill so that you can live your best life? Does your family get the attention that they deserve from you? What is the quality of your friendships? Are you there for your friends when they need you? As you seek the best for your children, are you at risk of smothering them and pushing them away? The same questions could be asked of church family. As you seek the good life, Is church community and the needs of people here an inconvenience? And finally, what about God himself? Isaac was willing to sacrifice God's will to get what he wanted for Esau. Jacob was willing to blaspheme God in the process of going for his blessing. And as we seek whatever blessing we're after, to what extent does the Lord Jesus and his priorities take a back seat? See, this is the problem with our strivings for blessing. Someone else will always pay the price. There's always collateral damage. And the crazy thing is this. We don't just end up hurting other people. We harm ourselves as well in the process. So secondly, the consequences of our struggle. You know, in this whole sorry story, there is not a single family member who comes out unscathed. With Esau and Isaac, that's obvious, isn't it? Esau's grief is palpable. It says in verse 34 that he he had a loud and bitter cry. And think about Isaac. You know, Isaac, he kind of started all this, really. He wanted to get the stealth blessing. He wanted to go around God's will by secretly blessing Esau instead of Jacob. And this blessing he had for Esau, it was so extravagant. It was so over the top um, that when it went wrong, it went really wrong. Esau lost out big time. And Isaac's identity, which was all wrapped up in in his son and his future, it came apart. But you know, it's not just Isaac and Esau who miss out. Even those who get what they wanted miss out. Jacob, he gets the blessing, doesn't he? Well done, Jacob. Now what happens? His brother wants to kill him. He's driven from home, away from his family. He's vulnerable. Where's he going to go? He's going to go to his uncle, as we'll see next week. He's going to be taken advantage of there. Not a great ending to this story. But I think the real tragedy here is for Rebecca. She planned the perfect heist, and her son has that blessing now that she'd wanted for him. But now he must leave, and she is the one who sends him away. Verse 43, she says, My son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. Stay with him for a while. Now, the original language, a while, there is used a few other times in the scriptures. Where it's used, it's often referring only to a few days. So, at best, Rebecca probably thinks that Jacob can run away for a couple of weeks Esau will kind of calm down, and then he can come back. The truth is this, as we read on in Genesis, Rebekah will never see Jacob again. 
Her son is gone. He won't come back before she dies. She's lost him. And he's probably the only person in the family who she is close to. It's clear from the story that her marriage has broken down, isn't it, effectively. And you kind of have to wonder, did, did Rebecca and Jacob not see this coming? Did Isaac not see this coming? Did Isaac really think that he was going to outwit God in who gets the blessing amongst his sons? And did Rebecca and Jacob not think that Esau, did, did they think that Esau was just going to take this lying down if they exploit him and steal the blessing? I mean, remember, like Esau in chapter 24, he's described as a skillful hunter. This is a guy whose job it is to track down things and kill them. Like, did you not think that exploiting this guy might backfire, possibly? And yet it's eyes on the prize, isn't it? They didn't think of the consequences properly. Tunnel vision, they wanted that blessing, they were going to go for it, and they didn't think about the consequences. And so not only did they cause harm to other people, they caused harm to themselves in the process as well. And this is the case in our, in our struggles for blessing, in our struggles for the good life. What do we think will promise us it? As we strive for that good life, sooner or later, not only do we hurt others, we hurt ourselves. How many of us are prone to overwork to the point of exhaustion? How many of us have come close, if not come to, burnout? How many of us carry a crippling anxiety that we have not done enough or that we are not good enough? How many of us have formed a pattern of life that has taken us away from community and people who might bless us and care for us, meaning that we have to go through our struggles by ourselves? We have to deal with the darknesses of life by ourselves. How many of us are in danger of drifting away from the Lord Jesus altogether, which will cause us the greatest harm in the long run? The dangers of this striving for blessing, it, it, they're so real, aren't they? And yet we can't stop ourselves struggling, or it feels like that. And I know this firsthand as well. I struggle with this as much as anyone else. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, finally, the gift of blessing. The gift of blessing. I want us to contrast this story in Genesis 27 with another story in the Bible, in the Gospels, where the Lord Jesus gives a blessing. This is from Mark. Um, I'll just read it. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. So the scene is, these parents are bringing these little kids to Jesus. The children themselves, what are they, like toddlers? Not sure. They're probably barely aware of what's going on, anyway. They kind of see that this is a, this nice rabbi who seems to welcome them. Maybe I'll go and get a hug from him if they go and run to him, so they wander over to Jesus. 
And Jesus sits with them. He, he puts them in his arms. He puts his hand on them and he gives them a blessing. Perhaps he used one of the blessings from the Old Testament. Maybe he said something like, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. And he takes his hands off them. And, you know, if you're a child, maybe you're kind of like wondering, looking up at the moment, don't really know what's going on. You might smile and then just waddle off back to mom or dad, completely unaware of what's just happened, that you've received a blessing from God in the flesh. Isn't that incredible? And these children, they don't have to strive, do they? You know, Jacob and Esau, Isaac and Rebekah clambering all over each other, pushing each other out of the way so they can get the blessing. Here, the children, they just wander over to Jesus and they get the blessing, simple as that. There's no stealth blessing like Isaac's, offered only to a favored few. Anyone who comes to Jesus will receive that blessing. He just says, let the little children come to me. And Jesus says that this is how it works in his kingdom. You can get a blessing from Jesus Christ, and you don't have to strive in order to get it. You don't have to harm other people. You don't have to burn yourself out in order to gain the blessing that he offers. You don't have to elbow your way through crowds. You can just have it if you come to him. Why is it this simple? Well, you see, God loves to bless people who don't deserve it. We've seen that with Jacob, right? He has the blessing. Jacob is like, he's exploitative, he's blasphemous, he's self-seeking. We're not even sure he even trusts God for himself at this point. And yet God has chosen, before he had done any good or evil, to put his blessing on this guy, regardless of the fact that he didn't deserve it. God loves to bless those who are undeserving. He's gracious. And he's gracious to all of us. The blessing is open to all of us. We can all come to Christ and receive that blessing. How is that possible? We well, see Jesus, who is the Son of God, was eternally blessed with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. Eternal happiness and contentment. And yet for our, our sakes, he came to earth and he gave himself up. He was exploited and cheated. He was trampled on by people who were seeking power and saw him as a barrier to that. But nevertheless, he gave himself willingly, not to bless himself, but to bless us, to die for our sins and to rise again to offer us his blessing and this blessing, it's not just stuff. It's not just, you know, nice things. Ultimately, it's being in relationship with him, that the chance to know him, the chance to experience his presence, the chance to have sins forgiven. The good life is knowing Jesus. That's what it is. And of course, we enjoy that now. But we, this, this blessing will culminate in a new heavens and a new earth as we were thinking about at the beginning of this service. That is where we're heading if we trust in Jesus. And that is secure. It's secure. We have that promise. 
Ephesians 1 says that Christians have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every blessing. There's not anything missed out. Everything we need, we have secured, waiting for us in that new heavens and new earth and available to enjoy even now. You see, when we strive for other visions of the good life, we harm ourselves and we harm others. But here's the thing. Once you've grasped that the Lord Jesus offers you a blessing for free, you only have to come as like a child and receive it from him. Your striving can stop. It can stop. Why? Because we have Jesus and our future is secure. It doesn't mean, of course, that we won't work hard in this life or in our families or with our jobs or studies. Of course not. Of course not. But we don't have to strive We don't have to harm or neglect others or even hurt ourselves in the process. And here's the great thing. Having that blessing from Jesus means that rather than hurting or neglecting others, you can love them, you can serve them. As we put our selfish ambitions aside, as we rest in the fact that our future is secure, you can make space for other people, your friends, your family, your colleagues, your church community. They're not barriers anymore. They're not competition. They will be precious, and you will feel free to be able to bless them. So this is the call for us today. You know, we can be blessed. We can receive that blessing. If you're a Christian, you've had it already. You can rest in that. And if you're not, the offer is open for you today to come like a little child to the Lord Jesus. Receive his words of blessing. And once we do, and once we grasp that, that will change us to be more loving, more serving, to be indeed a blessing to other people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we do not have to strive to earn earn our inheritance, to earn the good life. The Lord Jesus has died in our place, and he offers it to us free. What a wonderful picture of him receiving those little children who would just come to him and they would be blessed by their maker. Oh Lord, help us to be people who rest in the blessing that the Lord Jesus gives. And please help us to be more of a blessing to other people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.